You are listening to Sunday Gospel Reflections, a podcast made possible through the work of the Institute of Catholic Culture. I'm Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, founder and executive director of the Institute and your host for this program. In this podcast, we'll explore the historical and literary context, themes, and significance of the readings for the coming Sunday. This podcast was originally recorded as a video. For the full viewing experience, please visit us at instituteofcatholicculture.org. Blessed is our God at all times, both now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Welcome back to all of our Sunday Gospel Reflection participants here at the Institute of Catholic Culture. Annie Mitchell. Where are you, Father? I am on the road, but I'm on the road dedicated to you. Yes, I didn't want to miss a chance to be with you guys today as we prepare this Sunday for the great feast of the transfiguration of the Lord on Mount Tabor. Did you say yes. I'm wearing white today? This Sunday, Annie. It's true. I know. White, like Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. So I apologize if the sound isn't perfect, if the lighting isn't perfect, and all that stuff. But you know what? I want to do something maybe a little unusual today together, partly because I'm on the road. And uh, uh, partly because I think this is a wonderful opportunity here at the Institute to um, approach our readings for this Sunday um, in a way as though I don't exist. Yes, I will exist. Heaven forbid. And I'm going to ask questions of you and um, leave you with some questions because we have a special opportunity, an invitation for everyone. This coming Saturday evening at the Institute of Catholic Culture, we are hosting a special live Sunday Gospel Reflection, yes, uh, on the Transfiguration. So instead of recording a normal one-hour dive like we do every every week um, and sending that out to you, getting that out to you, sharing it with you, uh, instead of doing that, we're going to just ask some questions today to get the juices going. And then this coming Saturday, live, you, me, Annie Mitchell, Annie, you coming to I'll Saturday? I'll be there. Oh, awesome. yeah, I'll be there. Um, and we're going to go in and we're going to maybe answer some of those questions. But today, we're going to ask the questions and they're going to percolate in your mind. And I'm going to get Father Hezekiah stuck in my head. <laughs> Can't get him out. So these are the questions we want to ask because we have to have the proper tools, proper habits of reading our Bibles. And that's the thing that the Sunday Gospel Reflection here at the Institute of Catholic Culture is supposed to be about. And that is instilling habits, proper habits, scripture reading, so that you're able with profit to read the Bible on your own. Yes. Um, Now, not on your own, on your own, of course, with the guidance of the church, the church fathers. But of course, that's one of the tools, right? That's one of the tools in the tool belt are the habits that we build is going back and looking at what the great saints saints and fathers of the church uh, shared with us regarding these passages. But but to do that, to go and, and find that out, we have to be asking the right questions. So let's ask those questions today, Annie. Let's okay. jump into the texts today. It's going to be a little bit shorter of a study. And I'm just going to ask you questions. And they're not questions that you're necessarily going to be able to answer right now, but they're going to be percolating in your mind. And we're going to get into some of those answers this coming Saturday. At our, at our program, we're going to pull it up on its screen and make sure you know. You can go to our website right here. Boom. And there you have it. 
our program this coming Saturday evening on the Transfiguration of the Lord. Of course, this Sunday is the Feast of the Transfiguration um, and a beautiful opportunity to have this feast on a Sunday. It's very, it's very special. Yeah. So, very yeah. cool. Very so let's cool, jump in sir. here, Annie. What are our biblical texts that we're looking at? Give us. Yeah. Give us okay. Our, so yeah. the first reading for the Feast of the Transfiguration is from the book of the prophet Daniel, chapter seven, and we'll be reading verses nine and 10 and then verses 13 and 14. The responsorial Psalm is Psalm 97. Psalm 97. The epistle will be 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. And the gospel for this year, for the Feast of the Transfiguration, is Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. There you have it. Now, so, we're going to start in the book of Daniel. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to read guys, the, the reading, first, the first and then thing, you're going to ask us some hold questions. On, hold yeah. on, hold on. First thing I want you to re realize and see very clearly is I'm flipping my Bible because I was like, I know Daniel's right there after Ezekiel, but I, I flopped over Daniel and all of a sudden I was in Hosea and uh, I said, where'd Daniel go? But you know what? That's good I, practice. It's yeah, good practice. I have such a hard time finding Daniel every time, every time. Well, so I'm with you. I understand it. that sentiment completely. Daniel seven. Okay. Daniel seven. All right, here we go. As I watched, thrones were set up and the ancient one took his throne. His clothing was bright as snow and the hair on his head as white as wool. His throne was flames of fire with wheels of burning fire. A surging stream of fire flowed out from where he sat. Thousands upon thousands were ministering to him, and myriads upon myriads attended him. The court was convened, and the books were opened. As the visions during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. When he reached the ancient one and was presented before him, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. Mm hmm. Well, All right, Father. Let's jump into our questions. So, what, Annie, what's the first question you want to ask? Now, you're the professional question asker. <laughs> and I'm an unprofessional question answer, but I'm not going to do my job today. So what's the first question you're going to ask us? Well, my first question would be, who's talking here? Mm -hmm. I assume it's Daniel. And so then my question would be, who is Daniel? What do we need to nice. know about him? Nice. So um, again, Sunday Gospel Reflection, Institute of Catholic Culture, Bible Study Friends, what are you going to do? Right. And Annie, you've built up these principles over time with us. You've got these mm -hmm. tools in place. And that's the goal, right? You, that yep. you're going to be able to open your Bible and you can be able to draw this stuff out for, that's that's here. If you just know some simple, simple things. And the first thing is you're going to do what? Go to Daniel chapter one. Yeah. So, on the, one. of course, in the prophets, we're always going to the, ch the first chapter because invariably there's going to give you a timestamp. Right. And you're going to get an answer here. And but I'm not going to even get into what that answer is just to just to ask you further questions. 
the prophets are living during what time period, Annie? Depends, uh, like around the Babyl Babylonian exile, yeah. either yeah, right around after, the, during. right around the time of the Babylonian exile, which is give or take 500 to 700 years before the coming of Christ, right? And so in the in the in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, besieged it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So again, now what am I going to do when I'm reading my Bible? Is I'm going to contextualize the prophet in the historical book in which he lived, right? So wh where am I going to go? I'm not asking you, Annie, necessarily. I'm asking our, our 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 participants. But where am I going to go to get the historical context for this moment when when the Babylonians, when Nebuchadnezzar sieges, lay siege to Jerusalem? You know, I'm always going to Second Kings chapter 25. This is actually the beginning of this, uh, this the, the siege we usually look at is the final one when Jerusalem burns. But actually, there's three exiles which take place. And the first one being all the rich people and princes and all this, all the, right? And so that's how Daniel and the three young men in the fiery furnace, right? Whose story you can read right here in Daniel chapter, chapter, what? Three, right? Mm-hmm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and um, mm -hmm. but but there you have it. He's taken into exile, and I wrote in my Bible. This is might be a little helpful to you also. Is at the beginning of the prophets, I like to write in the year that they lived or the years that they lived, and their reference to to the Second Kings. So the re reference to the context, right? So yeah. I'm going to go to Second Kings chapter twenty four because I wrote that in, and we're not going to go there right now. Because we're doing this a little bit different today. This is really practical uh, SGR, right? But yeah. I'm going to have you go there and read that for yourself. Because that's your, that's your, you know, those are the steps you're going to need to take to get your context of Daniel. And then having scanned a few of these chapters, we're, we're here to chapter seven, in which we have a new king in Babylon and um, and then Daniel has this vision, right? Daniel had a dream and vision of his of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel said, "I saw in my vision by night." So there you have it, Annie. So you're saying, "What's going on? Who's talking?" What's Daniel has? Daniel's a dreamer, right? And he has this vision in his dream of these beasts right the lion and the bear uh and the leopard and so forth and and he and if you want to go and dive into this at the institute of catholic culture we had a wonderful talk called the apocalypse that my brother did very early on so if you're a diehard icc'er and you don't mind having imperfect audio and video <laughs> this is really early on icc stuff but a whole study of the book of revelation in which he spends a lot of time going through these animals that that Daniel sees coming out of the sea and explains how the different kingdoms of the world that have come and conquered are referred to here in Daniel 7 until finally the kingdom is given to the one to whom it belongs, the son of man, right? And now we have this figure that comes up in Daniel chapter 7 of the son of man. Mm -hmm. 
But here again, I'm not going to answer any questions today. I'm going to ask questions. And who is this guy? I'm serious. We're going to go to mass. And everybody's sitting there blasted out of their mind uh, in the pews. And they're like, yeah, some guy right in the clouds of heaven. Okay. Can we, can we move on? But you ICC friends are going to be drinking honey. Yeah. Um, because you're going to be meditating on this, on these questions of who is this son of man? What would the Jews have thought about this? Um, a man in the presence of God who really receives the dominion of God. I mean, this is heavy yeah. duty stuff is dominion is an everlasting dominion. We shall not pass away. Now, we were together last week. Now, for those that are new to ICC, I apologize, but this is this is taking SGR to a whole nother level. So you just sit back and enjoy. But Annie, last week, what were you we talking about? What passage in the Old Testament that we went to that I said was one of the most important passages in the Old Testament regarding the son of David? Right. Yeah, it was Solomon and um, praying for wisdom when God said he could have anything he wanted. Yeah. yeah. But what is what is Solomon? What What's the great promise to the son of David that we know of? Second. Oh, Samuel that he would build seven. the temple. Yeah, that's right. In Second Samuel chapter seven, he will build the temple and he will be that not only the son of David, but, but he will also be the son of God. Yeah. Right. Uh, and his and his throne. Will last forever. Bingo. Second Samuel chapter seven. You guys go read it. So these are the questions you need to be asking yourself. What is a Jew listening to this text, um, hearing the prophecy of Daniel make of it? Uh, well, he has a context to interpret this text, right? Because he knows that um, that the crisis that that God's people are facing regarding the fall of the throne of David, which is like literally crumbling while Daniel is prophesying. Daniel's taken off into exile. There's a puppet king on the throne. Nebuchadnezzar's controlling Jerusalem. You got to go back and read second, uh, second Kings chapters 20, well, 23, 24, 25 to really get this down. But it's this promise in second Samuel seven which is so promising, right? It's so promising. And yet hell is breaking loose in the life of Daniel, in the life of the Jews that are alive during this time. And suddenly Daniel sees a vision, which sounds very fulfilling of Second Samuel chapter seven, that this one who comes to the ancient of days is the son of man. And he's he's somehow encountering God, and he's not destroyed. And now he's receiving the throne of God, and now he's right. He's thrown to the the angels and the clouds. It's this is the this is the these this passage, coupled with Second Samuel seven, is what drives the messianic hope of the Jews. That God is indeed going to intervene in the crisis in which they find themselves. And when he intervenes, God himself is going to become king. Yeah, we can just add maybe one, one other passage that's coming to this, coming to my mind right now. And that is in Zechariah, in Zechariah mm -hmm. chapter, let's see here, Zechariah chapter 14. 
Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9, and the Lord will become king. You see, now you're Christians, you're thinking, you're thinking Jesus, right? But for a Jew reading this, this is this is this is Yahweh. Yeah. Right. And 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 so so now there's a bit of confusion. Who is this person? Now we have answers to all this, of course, because because Jesus is going to identify himself with this figure in Daniel chapter seven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um. So okay. So there's my question. There's the questions I wanted to ask about Daniel chapter seven, mm-hmm. coupled with our Bible study last week regarding the nature of the kingdom of God on earth in its relationship with the kingdom of God in heaven. Yeah, which we talked nice. about last week, St. Porphyrius. We don't have to get into all of that, right? Our psalm this Sunday? Psalm 97. Psalm 97. is king the most high over all the earth. Is he? Let me know when you get there. I'd be happy to read it. Psalm 97? Yep. Go ahead. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many islands be glad. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Justice and judgment are the foundation of his throne. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his justice and all people see his glory. Because you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth, exalted far above all gods. There you have it. I can only say that, I mean, of course, this is to be chanted by us placing ourselves intentionally within the kingdom of God, right? Um, and um, I, but as I said, I'm not going to get in our normal commentary and things like that today. I'm just asking, I'm just asking questions because the, with this type of, of psalmody, with these type, with, with, with Daniel 7, with 2 Samuel 7, driving the messianic hope, um we now can start to 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 allow the gospel to do what it's supposed to do for us while all the people are standing around jesus asking one fundamental question jesus answers that fundamental question much like he's been answering in the parables we've been looking at right Mm -hmm. the one of the primary purposes of of the parables is to manifest or make make material immaterial realities right the seed in the soil these things the kingdom of heaven is like right so this immaterial reality is now given given uh, an image that man can understand the parable is far from being being something that is kind of like you know clouded or you know whatever is actually meant meant to be revelatory so now with this vision, what's it look like for one to be the son of man and the son of God? What does it look like for the son of man to ride upon the clouds of the heavens? What's it look like for the mountains to melt away? Oh, that's a crazy image. Yeah? Yeah. Well, guess what? That's how Jesus answers it. He says, you want to know what it looks like? Come on, let's go up to Mount Tabor. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter. Was it Matthew chapter? Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. 
Let's take a little hike up Mount Tabor. Yeah. But before we do, of course, we need to find out why Jesus takes him up Mount Tabor. And why this moment? And it's because it's because his inner circle asks the same question that everybody else is asking. And Jesus, because he's in parable mode, right, gives them an answer. He says, yeah. you didn't, you don't understand what that looks like? You, you don't, you don't quite get it yet? Well, let me make it very clear to you. Okay, because look at this in, in uh, Matthew chapter, chapter 16. Well, see, this is chapter 17, right? But yeah. of course, we can't just take a look at Matthew chapter 17. We got to know what's going on in the gospel. Well, what's been going on in the gospel? We've been doing this week after week, Annie. Yep. Everybody's saying, who is this guy? Right? Is he the one we're waiting for? So now Jesus puts it back to them. Right? And, and Matthew, the gospel of Matthew gets this down, but Luke actually gets it a little more explicitly. So hold your hand here in Matthew uh, 16 and 17, because you Catholics, you know, God bless you. But you're all getting all fired up on Matthew 16, 18. Right? Because you all know. I know you ICC junkies. You guys are like, Matthew 16, 18. That's our Pope verse. Yeah. Well, Matthew 16, 18 isn't the Pope verse. Matthew 16, 18, 18 is the Jesus verse. The Jesus verse. Yeah. That's where we get off track. When we dislocate the church, when we dislocate our faith, when we dislocate Peter, from his source, because everything we do must be Christocentric, Christ-centered. It's only then you're going to understand what's going on with Peter. Yeah. But look at this. Take a look at, at the gospel of Luke, um, uh, Luke chapter nine, mm-hmm. because Luke says something that you're going to skip over very easily. We're going to get into this more, of course, this Saturday, but I'm just going to ask you some, some simple questions. He says, verse 28. Now, about eight days after these sayings, what sayings? Yeah. Yeah? And that's where you're going to be able to flip back here in Luke, or if I'm going to go back to Matthew, because that's where we're at, we're going to look at Matthew 16 and ask ourselves, what sayings? Yeah? Yeah. And ultimately, ultimately, behind, behind the sayings are going to be a question. It's an extremely important question that Jesus asks. And what is it, Annie, in chapter 16, verse 13? That would be, let me skip back. Who do men say that the Son of Man is? Do you see that? Who do, who do, who do they say, who's the Son of Man? He's the guy Daniel talked about. Yeah. He's the guy that they've been debating that Zechariah says the Lord's going to become king. He's the guy that 2 Samuel 7 prophesies about. He's the Messiah. Now, Jesus is, is playing two, two, two hands here, right? You know, that's so interesting, actually, Father, because when, like, when I read that verse, I think he's they know that he's talking about himself when he says the son of man. I never really thought about him saying like referring to Daniel actually and not to himself. What's Daniel talking about? Yeah. Who do you think Daniel's talking? 
You morons, I've been walking on water, multiplying loaves and fishes, healing the blind, making the paralytics to walk, and you're still debating in your mind whether I'm the Messiah? You're still not then sure? who do you say that I am? Well, yeah. Okay, now watch what happens. Watch what happens after this conversation. Jesus says, look, you didn't understand it? Let me explain it to you. Okay, that's what he does with the parables, right? That we've been covering. This time, Jesus doesn't say, let me explain it to you. He says, let me show it to you. And he invites them up the mountain. Now what happens? Now what happens, Annie? He looks just like the guy in Daniel's vision. And what comes... And what comes and surrounds him so that if you're looking at him, what's he standing on? Is he standing on Mount Tabor anymore? No. What's he standing on? Look at that. Chapter 17, verse 5. He was still speaking. Now he's up on Mount Tabor, transfigured, right? Yeah. And lo, what happens, Annie? A bright cloud overshadowed them. Now you see a man with a cloud around him. What's below him? Um, the mountains melt away, don't wow. they? And he's standing, riding on the clouds wow. of heaven. And the ancient of days says, my son. Wow. Yeah. Okay, now, but I probably getting this a little more than I want to because I said it was going to be a short Bible study. We're just going to not even do a Bible study. We're just going to ask no, questions. but I'm my like blown are, away right now. But, but my, my question, but here's the thing. Why does Jesus light up like a light bulb? You know, I mean, that's kind yeah. of what looks like. As we're looking, why does a cloud come and surround him? Why does the father say my beloved son? Why do all of these things come together at this moment in the context of this gospel? Okay. I'm just going to leave you with that question. Yeah. And then I'm going to ask you, why is it that Jesus chooses this mountain? Right. Why did he go up Mount Tabor? Right. doesn't say Mount Tabor. It says he went up a mountain. They went up a high mountain. Yeah. But of course, we know as Christians where this is. It's in Galilee, near Nazareth, overlooking the Jezreel Valley. You want to do a little Google search on Jezreel Valley, Book of Judges? Mm-hmm. And why now in the gospel? What has happened? What's about to happen? And why does he call up his, his closest friends? Right? Why does he have everyone come up the mountain with him? Why is it these closest friends at this moment that he says, guys, they got to get this one right. I mean, right. So these are the questions I want to be asking myself as I'm preparing for being with you on Saturday evening for our Bible study, live SGR. We'll pull it up again here. You're going to want to register for this. Let your friends know. Yeah, I'm going to invite you. Why not? Invite your friends over your house. Let's do a live SGR together. Okay, make a nice meal because you know what? This is evening time now. This is going to be, am I right? This is eight o'clock Eastern time, eight o'clock Eastern time. And you can have a nice meal together because once the sun sets, Vespers and and, and then we're we're into the feast. You have a nice festal meal, pair something nice, maybe lamb, pull out a nice bottle of wine, get out your Bibles and let's do a live Bible together. 
And you guys, instead of asking yourselves questions and debating this stuff, and I'll give you a little couple pointers, maybe some of the church fathers, some insights regarding the transfiguration that I hope will make your feast very special. Yeah, it is customary. It is customary on this feast day to have grapes, grapes, and other fresh fruit off the tree brought in to have your priest bless them. So I would encourage you to do that. If you have grapes growing in your yard, it's they're getting a little, it's about this time of year, they're starting to get ripe, okay? I happen to be sitting with viewing a vineyard across the hill. And if I walk up there right now, this time of year, your grapes are, are, are ripe because the, the, the um, climate here in California is very similar to that in Palestine. Uh, and it's this time of year that is the final harvest of the fruit. Hmm. which is what we're going to get into in our Bible study on Saturday night about the background to this feast of the transfiguration in the old Testament and, and the festal cycle of the Jews. So would encourage you to maybe gather together some, some grapes. You know, what's a cool thing to do. Talk to your pastor, maybe bring a whole bunch of grapes to church, set them on a little table, ask him to bless them and then distribute them to people as they're walking out the door after mass. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm going to do at my church. But of course, that's because Father Hezekiah is crazy and we do crazy things at my church. But this is very old timey custom to bless the the harvest of the, the, it's like the final harvest of the year, right? We're getting now into late summer and uh, we bring in all the harvest from the fields and then prepare the fields again for planting um, and heading into, into fall. So may God bless all of you. Annie, did I, were there any questions? We, well, we didn't look at the epistle, but you know what? We don't need to just give it to us. What is it? It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, for, it's second Peter, right. Second. Chapter one. And let me make sure I get the verses, right. Second Peter okay. chapter one verses 16 through 19, um, which basically is Peter recounting the fact that he saw the transfiguration. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and in the terms, and he's very, he's very uh, insistent that this is, was a real occurrence, right? Cause he begins in verse 16. We do not follow cleverly devised myths when we, when we made known to you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses. We saw you people that are deniers. Yeah. And of course, Peter's dealing with the Gnostic heretics during his time. And uh, he says, you can't, this is one of the things, by the way, Lewis, is one of the one of the things that brought me back to the church was that um, these guys saw something. Right. And they were willing. They, they weren't crazy men. Right. These were like the apostles were like like you and me. And they're like normal guys. Well, I don't know if I'm normal, but I you know what I mean? Uh, and uh, and uh, they were normal they, and they, they were saying. And they said, look, we saw it. And we can't deny what we saw. And, um, and uh, we heard the voice of God. We heard God the Father say, that one, this one right here is my son. Yeah. And they were willing to die for it. Willing to be crucified for it. Willing to be crucified upside down for it. Yeah. May God bless you as we prepare for this Sunday. Look at these passages. Ask yourself these questions and other questions, because when you start asking questions about your Bible, uh, and then you do so in a in in prayer, 
then God's going to start giving you answers, not off the top of, you know, you're making up answers, but you're going to find the answers because you want to learn what the church fathers had to say. But so much, so much is discoverable if you read slowly, um, you read with intention, with prayer, and with the guidance of the church. Notice how, notice how the church has placed Daniel 7 and the transfiguration side by side so that we can see what the gospel questions are asking and answering. You normally would have looked at Matthew 16 and we wouldn't have caught that son of man business. And we looked at Matthew 17 and we probably wouldn't have caught the cloud business so much. But when you put it in the context of Daniel 7, bam, things start coming alive. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you this coming Saturday evening for our live SGR on the transfiguration of the Lord. To Christ our God be glory both now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Institute of Catholic Culture's Sunday Gospel Reflections podcast. The Institute of Catholic Culture is an adult catechetical organization dedicated to the re-evangelization of our society through educational and cultural programs offered to the public at no charge. I invite you to explore all we have to offer including over 900 hours of on-demand catechetical opportunities and sign up for our upcoming events by visiting instituteofcatholicculture.org.